Stop me if you've heard this before. The Edmonton Oilers have forgotten how to play winning hockey. Can they get their you-know-what together? And if they can't, what should happen? Plus, an NHL player for the first time since 1947 is caught for gambling-related activities. Episode 385 of the Lace Month Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Uh, before we get uh, rock and rolling today, Brett, um, we're going to go to England and uh, deliver some very sad and tragic yeah. news in the world of hockey. Very, very sad. Uh, yeah, so I'm actually just seeing here that this uh, Adam Johnson... Um, he was 29 years old, so he wasn't yep. necessarily, like, that's technically old in hockey terms, but not, definitely not in human terms. Uh, that's younger for both of us. Yeah, but younger than both of us. Um, yeah, he played, um, I don't blame you if you've never heard of this guy uh, before these events, because I hadn't either, but uh, he, uh, he played uh, for Minnesota Duluth um, for two years. Um, in college, and then he was uh, he was undrafted, um, and then after that, um, in 2017, he played for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Um, had a decent first um, first game in the AHL, or first season in the AHL with 31 points in 71 games, uh, 70 games. Um, he played for the Penguins for a little, the Pittsburgh Penguins for. Um, Six games, um, and then went back to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton the next year, um, and then he did a similar thing the following year with Wilkes-Barre and P- Pittsburgh. Um, a total of, uh, let's see here, a total of uh, 15 games, oh, no, that's not 15, 14 games, um, and he had four points, um, and uh, and then it looks like he actually he... got his uh, first NHL goal in his home state of Minnesota oh, when wow. Pittsburgh was playing the Wilds. That's pretty. So cool. that was a big goal for him uh, at the time. They they've been showing that highlight all over the place. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then um, and then he played for the SHL for a little bit um, in 2020. I guess that was the COVID. That was COVID yeah. related. Uh, then he played for Ontario Reign back when. Uh, you could do that, which is the uh, LA Kings affiliate. Um, then he played for the Ontario Reign for a little bit, um, even in 2021. Um, and then he played a little bit in Lehigh Valley um, as well. So he was kind of a career AHLer, but you know, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, last year he played in the German League. Um, and then this year he was just getting uh things together because he's playing in the english hockey league i didn't even realize that this was a league and it's an unfortunate way to find out about this league um but uh but yeah he played for the nottingham panthers he had seven points in seven games there um so that's pretty good um but unfortunately he uh there was an incident uh where matt petgrave um who was a defenseman for another team um he uh caught his stick or sorry his skate uh to adam johnson's neck i apologize for the gory details here um 
it's kind of traumatic. I would not recommend looking this up because uh, it's it's not bad. Uh, it's not great. Um, and then, yeah, it turns out that a few hours later, they couldn't save him, and he died um, due to a skate laceration um, suffered in-game. Um, yeah, so this is a very sad story because it's just like, you know, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that this doesn't happen more often. Um, like, I know that there's, like, like, there's only, like, two times where I've, like, or three times where I've been like, oh God, like that could have been so much worse and it still was pretty bad. Like there was the famous Clint Malarchuk incident um, in the yeah. 80s. Richard Zednick uh, Richard, years yeah. later as well when he was, was in Florida. Yeah. Zednick was the he other one. That, and then um, even like recently, Jacob Lackow, I mean, it wasn't the neck, but um, Lackow uh, for, for the Bruins this year, uh, he got he caught a skate i forget who who did it but um, obviously all of these are unintentional um mm -hmm. uh and um it like he caught a skate to like he almost lost his eye it was like just under his eye and then it was, it was kind of pretty horrifying too um and um yeah, and also that that's the other thing too is I was seeing that like Matt Petgrave, I, I um he's getting like death threats and things like that and that's not cool either because obviously it was a mistake. It's not like he, he wanted this to happen. Um no one wants this to happen. Um but if there is a positive here, um according to Emily Kaplan of ESPN uh, she's, she said that she's talked to several NHL players who are now considering trying out protective neck guards. Um, will be interesting to see how many stick, um, neck guards aren't mandated by us hockey, but many believe that's a good first step. Um, uh, so that is a positive in that, in that sense, um, that, you know, it feels like, you know, obviously you never want this to happen and freak, you know, freak accidents happen like that all the time, but um but it, it is good that like you know even if you're wearing a neck guard like at least you're you're doing that like even if it if if it will never happen to you it's like something that you have to take a precaution in in that case um and also there was like uh, the ontario rain in their last game uh they gave adam johnson their first star at the end of the game and they kind of tributed it um and then there were quotes from the rain players like Alex Turcotte saying that yeah. he was one of the funniest dudes and best guys he's seen. Tyler Madden said one of the best guys to be around and truly an amazing person. Akil Thompson, like just can't believe this. Jordan Spence, great guy on and off the ice. Um, Eden Judas was just saying like, just awful. One of the best teammates I've ever had. Uh, Jacob Ingram, I guess there were, Oh, I guess oh, this guy, Jacob Ingram, I guess is, um, in Arizona now, but um, I was sick to my stomach when I heard the news. And then Sean Dursey, who was also in the LA system, but now in Arizona, he just said heartbreaking news, rest in peace. Um, so yeah. it's like, yeah, it's just it's just sad because all the people who knew him just were like, oh yeah, he was he was a great guy, and that's kind of like you know, obviously he was a career HLer, and you know we don't they don't get a ton of recognition, but. Um, yeah, it's just like a when when I heard this news, I was like, I've never seen this guy play. 
I didn't even see the incident and I'm like, <laughs> like, it's, it's just like, I feel like I lost someone. It's just, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. It kind, kind of obviously for different reasons, but it, it, it hits you like Colby cave in 2020, yeah. um, as the pandemic started, um, he was there, um, very well liked by his teammates and then he's gone mm-hmm. just without warning. And, um, another reminder that life is precious and we can't take it for granted. Um, and, uh, I'm just speaking as, as a goaltender, uh, goalies in particular need neck guards. Mm. Um, there, there are two types of protection. I wore both. Some goalies pick one or the other. Some are pretty risky and don't wear either, but a goal protector is this thing that hangs at the uh, the bottom of the mask. Not all NHL goalies have it, but some, mm. I would like to believe most do. And then there's just uh, the neck guard that um, that you see um, below the mask that protects the neck area from, you know, Aaron Pucks that are headed towards the face. And, um, I mean, the reason we remember and think about Bill Masterton is of, unfortunately, um, his final moments. Uh, he was sandwiched in between two Oakland players. And this is in the late sixties where there's hardly any head protection and his head hits the ice, which, um, you know, in today's day and age with the amount of head protection that players have, you know, you're probably dealing with a concussion. You're out a couple of weeks, but in most circumstances, God willing, you're alive. But um, he died in hospital a few days later and never mm. regained consciousness because um, he didn't have any head protection. And I think the main reason why we have helmets is incidents like that, sadly, where a player's out there doing the thing that they love and, you know, bang, bang, play and uh, goes to sleep, never wakes up. And um, like you said, if there's any positive that comes out of it, that, you know, hopefully it's another protective measure to uh, keep hockey players at all levels and all ages uh, safe from yeah. the worst case scenario. And if this could happen in this league, um, it can happen here. And uh, mm-hmm. going back to Matt Petgrave, who, um, you know, I'm sure is feeling just as bad as all of us are yeah. uh, about the whole situation. I remember that name because he played in the OHL. He played for a couple of OHL teams. Then he goes to the University of New Brunswick to play CIS hockey, which is, you know, um, the Canadian equivalent of the NCAA, but also yeah. different in some ways. Um, but, you know, to extend his hockey playing days, he goes there. He plays time in the ECHL. He plays time in the AHL. Uh, then he goes to Slovakia and Czechia um, post-COVID. And then just this past season and this season, he made the move to the EIHL. And this is a guy that, again, is just playing hockey for the love of the game. He's not making millions in this league. Mm-hmm. He's just going out there to play at the highest level he can yep. and just have fun and, and just do something that he loves. Yep. And that's what Adam Johnson was doing and unfortunately uh, can't anymore. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you said, a lot of people have lost a great friend today. So, yeah, you. yeah. It's um, thinking of his family, too. They're probably going through it. Yeah. Friends and family, of course. Um, yeah. You know, that's a good point, too. It's just like both Matt Petgrave and Adam Johnson, like 
they're doing whatever they can just to play like hockey just a little bit longer, even though they know that they're they're probably not going to make it into the NHL, even as like a fourth liner. They're like they're still playing hockey in England and and just like you know mm-hmm. they're doing it purely for the their 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 like the love of hockey because like they're leaving their family behind, they're leaving their friends behind just to go to another country. I mean, sure, you speak English in, in England, but you're also yeah. like, um, you know, it's a like a, I think it's like a ten hour difference um, here. Yeah. So, and, and that and that yeah. and that part of the world is focused on football. You're like, right, right. Like European Soccer. football. They're, <laughs> they're not talking about hockey in yeah. the morning newspaper. Not even close. Yeah. Whereas, like here in America, like they could maybe talk about hockey, but obviously, like even. It's mostly just baseball and football and um, basketball, but football, football. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it's, um, so it's, you know, like, I guess you could say the same for any of these, like, guys who are in the AHL or in the, or in the EIHL or even like the SHL. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess there are, you know, obviously there are some prospects in, um, in all these leagues as well but it's like for the most part a lot of these guys are like past their prime or past their time of making it into the nhl and they're just doing this just because they they want to do it um and um yeah it's kind of you know i mean i guess i'm not surprised that matt petgrave is kind of getting like a bullied online about this incident but like i can't even imagine like this happening to him like obviously it was an incident that like accidental and like i would be like <laughs> looking back like having flashbacks to that moment every day of my life from now on like that's torture enough um yeah like he doesn't need any more blame he doesn't need any more like uh scrutiny like he um and, and pe- people don't yeah. have to look up that moment that moment is replaying in his head whether he likes it or not like, exactly. that's a moment that will not leave his memory yep, yep. he's gonna have to live with that for the rest of his life probably yep yep um so um so like we do with all whenever we talk about someone dying um we uh, we take a moment of silence because there's no true way to transition over to <laughs> what we are actually going to talk about um so i'm going to take a moment of silence right now and then after that, we're going to go to our regular show. All right. So um, the uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, they are not doing so well hot. Um, they, um, they are two, five, and one. Um, they are six in the Pacific Division. Now, granted, McDavid is um, out uh, one or two weeks, uh, although you say that he returned on Sunday. Um, yeah, I didn't. he returned and he got a point. Oh, he got uh, a point? One okay. assist got um, in the outdoor game against Calgary. So he is back. Okay, so he is playing um, now. But, but yeah. Okay, fair. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of, it's kind of been interesting because like I've, um, I think I only watched like one of their games and that was in the first, the first game of the season when they played Vancouver. Um, so they, they lose to Vancouver, they play them back to back, um, or relatively speaking, cause one was on Wednesday, one was on Saturday, but yeah, they lost to them. Um, and then they beat Nashville and then you're like, oh, okay, so maybe they're fine. And 
you know, this is just like, uh, this is nothing and whatever. And they're just, they're going to roll. But then they lose to Philadelphia. Then they lose to Winnipeg in overtime. Then they lose to Minnesota 7-4. to And then they get shut out by Jonathan Quick and the Rangers. Uh, now, granted, the Rangers are pretty good, um, even though it's Jonathan Quick. Um, Minnesota is also pretty good. Um, and Winnipeg has Connor Hellebuck. And maybe Philadelphia is better than we thought they would be. Um, oh, and I should, and as you alluded to, uh, they beat Calgary in the outdoor game. So, uh, so that's kind of like a run through of their uh, schedules uh, this year. Um, and, and yeah, it's, um, it's not pretty. And granted a couple of those games were without McDavid, but even still you have Drysaddle on your team. You have Ryan Nugent Hopkins on your team. Um, you have like, you know, you get, we were thinking, I guess Evan Bouchard has made a leap. Um, Zach Hyman, Evander Kane, um, you know, you expect those guys to even like, you know, even if you, you don't have McDavid on your team, you still have a pretty solid team work working for you. So um, it is a little bit surprising that you would think like, okay, like, yeah, I know that they don't have McDavid, but they could be, they should be able to win these games. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, I mean, and I'm looking at these stats here. It's like, you know, dry still has 13 points in eight games. Uh, Bouchard has nine points in eight games. Uh, Hyman also has nine points. Uh, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has seven points. Evander Kane has six points in eight games. Um, you know, like the things that kind of stand out to you are like things like, uh, Connor Brown, um, he's not working out like we thought he would. Uh, he has zero points in eight games. Apparently there's something going on where, um, there's like a bonus where currently, uh, Connor Brown is making like 700 K. Um, and if he, I think if he plays one more game that gets raised to like 4 million, so they might just send Connor Brown down, um, so that he doesn't, they don't have to pay him that much. Um, Cause it's not working right now it seems um but uh, i don't know what they're gonna do there um the the real um the real big reason why they are struggling though um is i mean i guess granted jack campbell did have a decent preseason um but then once the writing he uh fell apart again um and he's uh his GAA is at a 4.35 and a save percentage of 878. Um, and he's one and three. Um, and then Stuart Skinner, because usually like last year, that uh, was also a big reason why Edmonton was able to uh, like get back on schedule was because they kind of took over the, the crease um, in net, but um, he's not doing so hot either. Uh, he has a 3.51 GAA and a save percentage of 863. Um, and he, yeah, he's going one, two, and one. Um, so, so I think clearly that is the issue here is that, um, the goaltending just needs to be better. Cause in the years past, you kind of like, or like last season, um, you know, Jack Campbell didn't have it for whatever reason. Um, and maybe it's just a change of scenery type of thing. And you're just like, okay, 
And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, Stuart Skinner. And on this team, all you really need is decent goaltending because you're going to, like, it's almost guaranteed that Drysaddle is going to score. It's almost guaranteed that McDavid's going to score a point. Like, you're always going to get some goals. Um, you know, I, I would assume that Rangers game is an aberration. But, um, but yeah, when you can't get, like, even decent goaltending, um, then that's kind of been the issue. Uh, the other thing that I, um, uh, and I'll throw it to you after this note, but um, the other thing that's been kind of, um, that was interesting was uh, Evander Kane. Uh, he, uh, I forget the, I don't have the direct quote on me, and maybe you do, but uh, like around, um, I guess, it, oh, you have it here in your notes. Um, but in October 21st, uh, I guess that was when they lost to, the um uh, oh that was when they lost to philly and uh, jay uh, rudcroft their coach ripped them a new one in the post it, game well oh yeah i've seen that october 21st is when they played winnipeg but it may be when... oh no th sorry that was uh, when evander kane was uh was uh doing like an intermission right. interview and uh he said well i'm not getting that much ice time so i figure i might as well fight somebody yeah, exactly. Not the exact quote, but verbatim what he said. For, right, right, not right. verbatim what he said, but like in a nutshell what he said. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I was I was about to get to that. So just because uh, you kind of were in and out there, so in case that didn't get picked up, uh, basically, um, Evander Kane got in a fight and um, in in the in the game against Winnipeg, and then um, and then he, he said something in the intermission saying that he um, – he got in a fight because he wasn't doing anything elsewise. He wasn't being put on the ice. So he kind of made it public that he wasn't getting a ton of ice time. Um, and um, yeah, that's kind of like, I mean, I guess that's also kind of not surprising because that's not like, if you're complaining about ice time, I kind of get, I can kind of understand that. Like he's averaging 18 minutes of ice time, I believe. Um, yeah. 18 minutes of ice time um, and, and all that stuff. But um, but like, you know, he was out of Winnipeg, uh, due to maturity issues. He was out of, um, Buffalo due to maturity issues. And now it seems like, oh, he's like, it seemed like he kind of turned a corner. He had those like sexual assault, um, cases, uh, that kind of seemingly went away the gamble, like he had some gambling scandal as well. Um, Edmonton kind of took, just took a chance on him because at that time they were losing and they were desperate for something. Um, and then it turns out that like once Edmonton, once Vander Kane started to get going, it's like, okay, all right, I guess the Oilers are good again because, uh, they have a Vander Kane who turns out to be pretty good despite all this off ice issues. Um, so it's, um, you know, I guess it, it's kind of like a Tony D'Angelo situation in the sense that like. Um, you know, you hear all these reports that like they're bad off the ice and they don't get along with their teammates sometimes. And, um, but of course it's like, you keep like the only reason why they're in the NHL is that they're good at hockey, um, and they score points. So, um, so I, I wonder if like once I, I feel like the Oilers will be back and ready, but I think that's kind of like the two things that need to happen is Evander Kane needs to get back to what he was. I mean, I guess six points in eight games isn't bad, but, um, 
but it should be okay. And it, it granted, like Conor McDavid's been out, so you kind of I kind of give them a benefit of the doubt of like, okay, you're losing your best player, um, and um, and and that's what happens. But on the other side, it's like, well, they're still a pretty good team even without McDavid. Um, and then the other thing is like, I don't know what you do with the goaltending, but I think I'll, I'll let you speak before we, we get into the goaltending and what they need to do. Every year we think the Oilers have it all figured out and then they just have this month long stretch of hockey where they just, I don't know if they forget how to play hockey, but they're not winning. Yep. And it's happening again. Remember last, I think it was January or February where the media Asked Drysdale, why are you sounding so pissy? Oh, yeah. Or something to that effect. The word pissy was involved in somewhere. And the the reason why I bring that up is because it just seems every year this happens. And it's and it's a similar issues where they're not getting saves or their forecheck and back check isn't good enough, or the stars are doing everything and everyone else isn't doing enough. And it happens with different coaches. Um, it's happening with thing with Ken Holland after it happened with uh, with with Pierre Shirelli before him. Him, and I, I just feel like it's it's just the same repetitive garbage that that we keep seeing. Like their power play is like twenty four point one percent, which compared to last year is a decline. But last year, I mean, find me a more goaded power play in NHL history than that. Like it was crazy how cracked that power play was. And I'm just looking at power play percentages this season and i know they're not indicative of how good or how bad a team is because you get a mixture of good and bad in uh the best column and the worst column but just the dallas stars for example their power play is 9.5 percent but you know what they're good at at spreading goals they've given up only 17 goals in seven games which may seem like a lot but their penalty kill is 95.5 percent successful and they're five one and one on the year because they have good defense and they can score five on five. You look at a team like the Boston Bruins who have lost a lot of depth. Yep. Uh, they've played nine games. They've won eight of them. The one time they didn't, they got a loser point in the overtime shootout area. And they were up three to one in that game. Their penalty kills 97.3% successful, which is nuts. It's madness. And their power play is 16.7%, which, you know, all things considered, is pretty good. But it's not over 20%. When you look at teams that are above 20%, you're looking at the top 10, top 15 in the league. And the Bruins are able to score goals at even strength, and they're able to keep the puck out, so they're fine. But if you're the Edmonton Oilers and you've, and you've got a power play that's clicking at 24.1%, okay, well, how are you scoring goals every other time you're not on the power play? Because you're not on the power play for all 60 minutes of the game. That's impossible. Oh, their penalty kill is 72.7% successful, you say. Oh, well, that's bottom 10 of the league. That explains a lot. Um, they average 31.3 shots per game. They average 30.1 against. Well, um, the best teams in the league, they definitely have um, a higher percentage of shots for compared to shots against. Um, so limit the amount of shots against. That's another thing. But... What I've seen from my own team, the Ottawa Senators, is sometimes it's not the amount of shots that you give up. It's where the shots are coming from. Are they high danger chances? Are they odd man rushes like two on ones, three on twos, where you're caught flat footed and now you have to back check and you're putting yourself in a bad position. You're putting your goalie in an even worse position. 
how many prime chances are you giving the other team? And sometimes if you give up 20 shots, but there are like seven two-on-ones and the other team scores on two or three of them, well, that's the game. More often right. than not, that's what costs teams is not playing the right way, not playing safe hockey, not playing smart hockey. And I feel like the Oilers, throughout the majority of their slide, before they finally won a game against the Flames, who are 2-6-1 and one, and even worse than them and even more scoring-deprived than them, um, they weren't really playing smart hockey and they weren't playing to win. And I feel the guys like Evan Bouchard and Evander Kane in terms of team play, weren't pulling their weight enough. Mm. And the other stat that concerns me is not only how the Oilers are losing games, but the fact that they're not finishing strong on the scoreboard. It took until the sixth game for them to score a goal in the third period. And they got two against Calgary to make it a little less saddening. They have three goals in the third period. But game six against Minnesota, was the first time all year they got a goal in the third period. And you know what happened, Brett? They gave up five in the third period, coughed up a 3-2 lead, and yeah. lost 7-4 to four against a team that, shocker, is start, is uh, struggling just as much as the Oilers to keep the puck out of their net. Right. So, like, <laughs> it's just the ability to handle momentum and the ability to put teams away, the ability to get off to good starts, that's not a problem for a lot of the good teams in the league. And just when we think the Oilers have it figured out and, oh, that won't happen again this year. And then it does. Yeah. And it's just maddening more so this time because we are expecting the Oilers to be so much more than a playoff team. Yeah. And that's what frustrates me. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, because I, I, I mean... You know, it's on the show, I think I, I tend to talk about the Bruins a lot and you tend to talk about the Sens a lot, um, even when it's like and when even when we're talking about other teams. But I'm going to have to bring the Bruins up l last year <laughs> um, uh, and I'm, I'm going to stop doing that as much or I'm going to try to be more aware of that when I do. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's there like, you know, I'm trying to think of some positives because. For one, I feel like, you know, this has happened before um, where like last year they were struggling at the beginning, but they kind of find their, found their groove because like Evander Kane was also out and that was a reason why. And then uh, Stuart Skinner was like, oh, okay, actually I'm a good goaltender and um, <laughs> I'll give you some like even like half decent play and all that stuff. And I think that's really the, the true reason why they're not doing so hot is just that Stuart Skinner hasn't been... Um, um, hasn't been what he was last year. Um, but the reason yeah. why I was, I, I do want to mention the Bruins was last, like there is some kind of bright side because I think there is something to adversity um, where like the Bruins last year, they had the best regular season record of all time. Um, nothing could stop this team in the regular season. And then once they get into the playoffs and the first sign of the Panthers beating them up, um, and scoring and getting ahead of them in the in the game, they just lost it and they couldn't get it back. They couldn't get the momentum back. So there is something to the fact that, and I think I think there's something to that with a lot of these teams that are really really good, um, like the Tampa Bay Lightning, for instance, uh, when they were like before when they 
we're also the best regular season team. And then they go out and they get swept by the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, like, I think there is something to the fact of like, yeah, the regular season is kind of meaningless compared to the postseason. But at the same time, um, like, you know, you kind of need these moments in your season in order for your team to like overcome like the losses and understand like, okay, we lost, but we can get it together because we're a team and we can figure this out and all that stuff. And I think that's kind of what the Edmonton Oilers are doing right now. Um, and that kind of leads me to this next question of, can the Edmonton Oilers still make the postseason this year? And I'm like, yeah, they can. <laughs> like, it's it's lucky that this happened in October. Um, like, I'm not worried about them just yet because one, uh, they... Like, yeah, it looks like Anaheim and Vegas and Vancouver and L.A. Um, are good teams and for real and whatnot. But who knows with uh, Vancouver and Anaheim, they've, you know, they're kind of they've been equally inconsistent. They could kind of fall off. Vegas and L.A. I think are more or less for real. But Edmonton, you know, we know what Edmonton's capable of and uh, they can definitely, you know, put up a run and you know yeah they're two and five and one right now but they can easily get on a winning streak and and get into the the position because they've only played eight games like there's 70 games left for them in the season um so that's that's enough games for them to work out plus it's like like i i've said this before when for the penguins it's like you know when you have mcdavid and Drysdale on your team. Those are the two best players in the league, bar none. Um, you're you're like you have a pretty good shot of winning the games, and you can never count those guys out ever. Um, even if the, if it, even if they start to struggle towards December, like I'm I'm never counting the Oilers out. As long as they have a healthy McDavid, as long as they have a healthy Drysdale, I'm like, all right, I think this team is is going to be pretty good. Um, so I, I don't think that they're going to, like, I, I feel like they'll eventually figure it out because like you alluded to, they did this last year. Um, and, um, yeah, I thought, you know, I thought like you can make the case that, okay, Evander Kane, uh, returned and Stuart Skinner, uh, was the guy that kind of took over as the goaltender. And those were big reasons why they were, they managed to get back on the hot start, but like, I, I think there's there's definitely, like, maybe, you know, maybe Stuart Skinner does come back um, and becomes what he is. And Evander Kane goes with McDavid, or is, because I'm looking here at their lines right now. It looks like, uh, uh, this is on Cap Friendly, um, it says that Dreisaitl is on the left side and McDavid's on the center and Warren Fogel is a right winger. And then on your second line, you have Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Zach Hyman. Um and I feel like, like you need to put Vander Kane with Drysaddle or McDavid, <laughs> like, yep. um, and not not to knock Nugent Hopkins, and he has seven points in eight games. I feel like no one ever talks about him because you always talk about McDavid and Drysaddle, and rightfully so. But like, he's still pretty consistent. Um, so like, it's not to knock RNH, but um, but yeah, you need you need like you know. Evander Kane is a lot better than Warren Fogle. Um, so so it makes sense to just move him, like, you know, just play him with McDavid. It seems to be that that's what worked last time. Just continue to do that. 
Um, and um, yeah, it's kind of like, I know that Drysdale has ever played on the wing before, and maybe they're just trying to spark something with having McDavid and Drysdale on the same line, but um, I feel like that's also kind of what made the Oilers kind of dangerous all those years. It's that like, okay, when McDavid's off the ice, you have to deal with Leon Drysdale <laughs> and, and vice versa. So um, it's always it's always like a, a neck and neck type of thing. Um, so it's like, all right, like, yeah, they, they could, they're, you're probably going to score if both of them are in your line, but you're going to be even more dangerous. Um, if, if like teams have to deal with both of those players, like for like roughly like 90% of the game. Um, so, um, so that, that's the other thing. Maybe, I don't know. I, I would, I, I guess I'm not faulting Woodcroft. Obviously I'm not an NHL coach. Um, and I don't know what I'm doing. But I, I feel like I, I feel like you should uh, he should at least like make Drysaddle back move Drysaddle back to the second line center because that is what makes them really good or what made them really good last year. Um, also, I, I'm noticing here that uh, Dylan Holloway um, he's only getting 12 minutes of ice time, um, and granted, like he's he's 22 years old, um, but. I feel like you should like give him some ice time or some more ice time. Maybe try him on the top six. Um, I don't know. It's, it seems kind of strange that like, um, cause he, he was pretty decent in college and he was um, like, he hasn't really gotten going yet. And, you know, I try to cut him some slack, but it seems like they don't, they think of him as a bottom six guy, which I don't think he is. Um, so, or at least give him a chance to be on the top six. I mean, I know like he's better than Warren Fogle. <laughs> like what are they doing here? Um, Connor and, Brown is better than Warren Fogle. Yeah. Connor Brown also is better hasn't than Warren played Fogel. in pretty much a full season due to injury. So sure. I can understand why he's struggling, yeah. but still it's like Connor Brown, like the whole reason yep. Warren Fogle's on the, fir- on the first line is because Connor Brown's struggling. Right. It's just like the reason you got Connor Brown is so you didn't have to do this. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right, right. chemistry with McDavid and you're off and running to the races. And yeah. the reason why Dreisaitl is on the top line, it's like, we're freaking lo- we're freaking losing games. We suck. We need to get something going. I'm putting this lineup for two weeks. Hopefully we're back. And then I'm putting him back on the right. second line. That's what it feels the theory behind the board cross call there. Yeah. I mean, I think, forget the site. And I don't know if I want to look at it now, but there are, it's like frozen tools um that they tell you oh, yeah because they tell you the percentages of like the lines yeah um, very handy tool honestly let me look I, here I okay uh also while while he's looking at that yep um i should mention to people that the oilers are in the bottom 10 of the league in power play time they're also top 10 in the league in shorthanded ice time which is not good and uh, they have the fourth most giveaways with uh, 79 this year and the fewest blocked shots so with those kind of numbers, obviously, they need to figure stuff out there, and that's not really going to suffice uh, otherwise. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind for the Oilers is you mentioned the part about Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and to never mm. count those guys out. But those guys are in a very tough division that has the 7-2-0 Rangers, the 8-4-0 Hurricanes, who despite their ability to all of a sudden uh, not give a you-know-what about defense. Yeah. Uh, or at least on this court sheet, it looks like that. They're actually six and four, but whatever. They'll figure it out. 
and then you also have the five, two, and one Devils. The Islanders are also right there. Like, it's not going to be easy to get out of that division. And also, the Atlantic division has a yep. lot of wild card worthy teams there. Sure. If you look at the Oilers division, um, the Canucks are five, two, and one. I don't know how long that's going to last. Yep. The Anaheim Ducks are five, four, and oh. I don't know what kind of a team they are. They're getting better, but. Again, I don't know if I'm ready to call them a team that's ready to contend for a playoff spot. The Kraken, who uh, did very, very well last year, yeah. are three five and are three five and two rather to start the year. And uh, there was a stretch uh, in their first five or six games where I think they only won one of them. Yeah, uh, you have the Calgary Flames, who Cal- uh, Edmonton just beat in that outdoor game. They're two six and one. They have 19 goals scored and 34 against. And then you have the Sharks who have scored a total of nine goals in nine games mm-hmm. and have zero wins in those nine games. And they're probably going to be, historically speaking, one of the worst teams we've ever seen take the ice in an NHL environment over 82 games. So the Oilers have ample opportunity to get back into this. But when we are talking about the Oilers, some people are talking about this team as a cup winner or a cup threat. And we shouldn't be talking about them just making the playoffs. And after watching this losing streak, if I had any hopes of the Oilers winning the cup, I'm not believing it until I actually see them do it because I'm not going to trust this team with even a $5 bet on a gambling site. Yeah. In terms of winning the cup. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I would still do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, after this losing streak, that value might go up. So, yeah, maybe you do do it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, I might actually do months, that. But... I mean, gambling's legal here in Massachusetts. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I might. Uh, but uh, just, just don't, don't, don't use Shane Pinto's account. When <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try not to. Um, we'll talk about that later. About yeah, that. yeah, of course. Um, the uh, Okay, so because uh, while I was looking this up, you made a point about the Penguins being in a tougher division than the Oilers are, and I agree with you. Um, I guess my point was more that, like, and you could, I I was thinking, like, of the Penguins in, like, like five years ago or, you know, even, like, ten years ago when they were more in their prime. I mean, obviously, Crosby and Malkin are still, um, are still very, very good, um, and I don't count them out, um, even though I I think they're equally, they're struggling as well, but, um, the um but yeah i i, I kind of was thinking that i was thinking more of like back when crosby was like the face of the franch of the of the league basically um, yeah, fair enough in a similar way that uh, mcdavid and mcdavid is right now um so i looked this up um and i just looked at so this is on frozen pools um this could be a cool resource that we can use from now on but uh yeah in the last three games uh the most um the, the most, uh, I guess they give you percentages and the amount of time that all these lines have. Uh, the most, yeah. uh, so with the, the one that has the most time on ice right now um, is Connor Brown, Ryan McLeod, and Dylan Holloway, which I think is just currently the third line. And I guess that makes sense because they're, they're just changing up lines now. Um, and then the second one was Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, and Warren Fogle. The third, um, which I don't know how easy, like how exciting this is <laughs> to, to mention, but um, the third is uh, 
just quickly here, I guess. RNH, Evander Kane, and Zach Hyman. Uh, the fourth is Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, and Matthias Yanmark. And then the fifth is McDavid, Fogel, and Dreisaitl. And given McDavid's only played uh, one of these games that I was just mentioning. So um, there's that. But so, yeah, maybe it's like, I guess that is kind of somewhat accurate with what Cap uh, Friendly is saying. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like there there has to be some change in the line changes, but maybe they already made so that's what Woodcroft is doing. He's just changing lines because that is sometimes the point. It's like, okay, if something's not working, we have to change lines a little bit. Um, so so maybe that's why he did it that way. But I feel like the, the lines could be better. But in any case, uh, you kind of alluded to this, and this is kind of our next question here, is, um, is do we think... Um, okay, so... Uh, yeah, so many consider Edmonton as a cup threat. Does this slide change those assumptions? Um, and I, I, I take it that you say yes, I say no, um, because I, I guess I'm just I'm trying not to overreact to the first month of the season. It's still a long season to go. Like it isn't even the New Year's. Um, if they still continue to slide till you know, of course, if they still continue to slide. Um, after like December, then I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, I think, I think, um, the Oilers might not make the playoffs, but, um, but I think right now I'm just like, you know, and they just got McDavid back. Um, you know, it tends to be like for goaltending at the very least, they, they tend to be slow to get back into shape. Um, or they take longer to get back into shape unlike the skaters and the defensemen. So, I, I think maybe maybe that has something to do with why Skinner is struggling, um, but I think I think they'll they'll figure it out, um, and then, um, yeah. So you, you kind of answered that with your last uh, thing that you just talked about. So the next question here is: um, if there is one big change that has to be made, which one is the most likely, and what do you think should happen? What I think is most likely is Jay Woodcroft is out the door and they bring in a new coach, don't know who, but a coach that Ken Holland feels is going to shake things up and win games. And no, it's not Mike Babcock. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, what I think should happen, um, if, and... I, I guess it all depends on how much the owner is eager for change and how much faith he has. Because it wouldn't shock me if both Holland and Woodcroft are out the door and Cates bring, brings in um, significant changes. But given on how much is riding on this year, I don't do that until like you have concrete options available that you know for a fact are going to provide exactly that. And I don't really know of the names in in either scenario that would work uh for the love of god not peter Torelli. Yeah. um but i i feel like a big trade needs to happen and it's because like again i was talking about i was talking about like the utilization of some of their depth guys in like key situations like on mcdavid's line you have freaking mm. warren vogel and on dry line you know, who you have, like Connor Brown, Matias Yan, Mark Dylan Holloway. And that brings that brings me back to like development, like player development. Yep. I don't know what it is, 
But remember all the hype that was around Kaylor Yamamoto for a hot oh, yeah. minute? And then he just turned into a guy that everyone's like, get this guy out of here. Yep. And they trade him off for next to nothing. Yep. And Dylan Holloway was like this hyped late first round pick. And it's like, or maybe it's a middle first round pick. But either way, a hyped first round pick. And it was like, I can't wait for this guy to come yep. over here. Oh, he looks so good. What happened? Oh, he's not putting up points. Well, that's not good. Okay, mm. well, uh, shit. And then you, then then you're left with you know guys like uh, Matthias Yanmark and Warren Fogle. Remember when uh, Ty Rowdy was an experiment oh, yeah. on McDavid's line, and mm. everyone was excited for that, and that quickly faded away. It, it's every formula the Oilers have tried in terms of just like these wild card forwards that could probably tear it up with McDavid or Drysital. Maybe it's worked for like a couple weeks stretch, but then after that, it yields yeah. little to no results. And that means you have to overpay to keep Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Evander Kane. And, um, you know, you bring in Zach Hyman on a long-term deal as well. And that leaves little money to improve in areas where you need to really improve in. Like, I don't know, their third pair on the blue line. Um, also in terms of goaltending, uh, paying $5 million to a goaltender that in his first year, uh, puts up mediocre results at best. Mm -hmm. And then that puts you in a bind for like, okay, well, where do we find this goalie? Okay. Well, we really need this goalie. Let's give him near $3 million. Oh, he's struggling too. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I, uh, do we have any goalies in the farm system? We have Jesper Walsh. Oh Yeah. We we traded down and he was taken yeah. right after we did that. They oh, didn't even okay. get well, Sebastian Kosa nice. either. <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah. tra Detroit traded up to get him. Oh, yeah, but yeah that's right. they didn't yeah. even get Kosa. Yeah, he yeah. was right there in their own yeah. backyard. That's that's right. And 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 I guess you can't really uh grade, you know, prospects like that high yeah. like when they're when they're drafted. Like for example, Tyler Clevin, when the Sens traded up with the Leafs to get him um a lot of people are just like ah is he really worth that much to trade up and then you look at all the hype around him and it's like oh you know well maybe that was a good decision to trade up but we still don't know exactly what tyler clevin is going to be so prospects are higher to grade yeah. but when you're talking about proven nhl talent and just finding you know ideal spots for them to succeed in it's tried and fail tried and fail tried and fail with the oilers on multiple occasions and that puts all the more pressure to develop these prospects and when you can't develop these prospects then you're kind of stuck in the mud a little bit mm. and i just feel it's been a recurring theme similar to the oilers for getting out of play winning hockey for a solid month that's just been this ever lingering problem that they can't figure out and i feel like significant change is without that i don't think the oilers are going to be as good as they ever think they're going to be and that's and that's the cold harsh reality and we're going to find out in november just how good they are because they got a lot of quality opponents they're yeah. hosting dallas um they have two big divisional games against seattle who are start, maybe starting to figure it out with their offense they are in tampa they are uh, visiting carolina as well in that month and then they host vegas towards the end of november yeah. So like you've got like, you know, teams that are capable of going on deep playoff runs, whether it's this year or in the past, that a lot of people are pegging, you know, to be playoff threats, even though, you know, Tampa has gone through some things, they're still freaking Tampa. Right. And 
they're they're gonna need to be on their a game for pretty much all of november and if they're not uh you could be looking at a pretty dire situation heading into december yeah yeah now that's a good point about development stuff and it's kind of reminding me of the rangers um situation Mm -hmm. um and i i guess now it seems like lafreniere has figured stuff out and philip is doing well and i think a lot of that has to do with just their change in coach and surprisingly laviolette is letting the young guys play with panarin it's like okay <laughs> like why didn't this happen before um but um but in any case like that is a good point too it's like i i think a big reason why people were excited about yamamoto or at least for me um and holloway and puliarvi um, I'm sure there's other ones that people have been excited about, but those four, those Raphael three. Lavoie, remember when he Lavoie. fell to the second round yeah. that everyone was losing their minds? Oh, this kid's going to be so good. He yeah. hasn't played an NHL game yet. That's true. And he was yep. drafted in 2019. Carter Savoy is also in the minors. Um, yeah, and all he that was, stuff. he's more recent, so I still give him a bit of time. But well, yeah, Lavoie is a bit concerning. Oh, yeah. I guess Lavoie was drafted in 2019. I thought he was in 2021, but okay. 2019. No. Yep. Um, in, uh, well, actually, Carter Savoy was 2020. Oh, he was 2020. Okay. Um, never mind then. But, um, but anyways, I, I think that is a good point. It's like, like, cause I, I think Yamamoto and Puliyarvi, um, were pretty good in, like, in, um, in, uh, like, you know, in Bakersfield. In, like, yeah, Bakersfield. And I was also going to say in their, like, pre draft leagues you know they were also kind of killing it there and then like the thing that that makes like mcdavid or like and drysdale so much better than other uh like other guys um i mean i guess you could say the same about like mckinnon and crosby and and whatnot or any of these like generational guys is that they make their team better they make their players better so it's like so you take someone who was like pretty good outside of Edmonton and um and then you put them in on a team and McDavid just makes them you know makes the players better um and um and so I, I think there is that added element of like oh like you're um like you're you're good still with even with without McDavid but if we put you on a line with McDavid you're going to be like a superstar. And um, I, I used to think the same with Dreisaitl, but it turns out that Dreisaitl is good on his own in his own right too. So it's like, you know, even if, he, let's say they put Holloway with McDavid and it's not working out, it's like, all right, fine. You're going to put him with Dreisaitl and it could work out too. Um, and that's, that's kind of like, now that I'm like looking at their lines here, I'm just seeing like, all right, so you have Dreisaitl, McDavid, Unreal players that we'll probably never see again. Um, Evander Kane, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, good in their own right, um, and and all that stuff. And then it's like, okay, Warren Fogel, like, okay, like, why not try Dylan Holloway? Why not try Connor Brown? Why not try Ryan McLeod? Um, and like one of the, like, I mean, I guess maybe that's the thing. It's like maybe Dylan. Holloway is being too hyped and like I'm like he's another Jackson Nicker or something like that. But like you have to at least yeah, try to give him some time. Putting him into the deep end too early and and I think with Puliarvi they might have done that a bit. Yeah, possibly. But like like 
this is uh, Holloway's second season in the league. Um, at this point, it's like... And Pooley Arby was, like, yeah. on, like, you know, line A's line and... Uh, yeah. Or some other guy. I think it was... Was it... Was it Aho? Uh, in the World Juniors. Yeah, and, yeah. like, I'm sure the rhetoric yeah. was just like, ah, we don't need right. to take our time with him. He's re- he's ready for the pros. Uh, we... No, yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe there is something to that where they just don't want, like, another Pooley Arby situation again, but... Like and and Holloway mm-hmm. was never gonna be as good as what people hyped Puliyarvi as being, um, but at the same time it's like, okay, like I would rather like even if it doesn't work out, like it's better than what's working right now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it it might not work out, but it could work Tyler out. Tyler Benson was another hype prospect yeah, as an, well that one, yeah. you know had some good moments in the AHL, but. So, yeah. In the NHL, I don't think it's really clicked for him. Yeah, so it's like, um, so like I, I like I would venture that it, like they they probably won't do it, but they should do it. Where it's like just give Dylan Holloway some some shot in the top six just to see what what happens there, because uh, yeah. then because like then it's it kind of like tells Holloway it's like hey we don't think you're gonna like we don't think that you're a top six forward and like yeah i i think he's decent on the defensive side of things so maybe that's why they put him on the third line but at this point i'm just thinking like all right whatever is working isn't working or like whatever we're doing isn't working just try it um and and see what happens and if it doesn't work then fine i i'll shut my mouth Um, but yeah i think i think there's that but because I guess let's face it, that's not a big change. Um, yeah, I, I think I think what will most likely happen, and I think you're right, is if they continue to slide, I think Woodcroft will be fired because I think that's just what you have to do. I wouldn't yeah, go. It's the easiest thing to change is the yeah. coach. Yeah, it's, yeah it's that's like, that's what obviously it... you know continuing to win with a different coach. You know yeah. that involves growing pains, but it's much more easier than blowing the team up or bringing in a new GM who. Yeah might have a different philosophy that also doesn't work right if you change one guy in theory you can turn things around pretty yeah, yeah. quick um and um yeah and i guess that kind of goes back to my other point too it's like i i have a feeling the reason why they're not giving holloway a chance is just because they feel like you know because usually when teams are competing and that's why i mentioned the rangers it's like when the when the the rangers were trying to win games so they try to yeah. put their like their veteran players or players that they know are good in the in the t- tough spots because that's why you get them and and that's fair and I I understand why they didn't do that for Lafreniere earlier on in his career, but the teams that can make those yeah. like bold uh, decisions like Matthew Joseph in a top six role in Ottawa yeah where the Sens weren't a playoff team it was established at the trade deadline they weren't gonna yeah. be. So it's like, okay, we're just going to experiment. We're going to see what works. And we're heading into next yep. season. We're going to see what we have. So the Oilers are not at that stage. Right. They're, exactly. they're trying to win a cup and so, they're trying to win one immediately. So, so from, from that sense, I guess I'm kind of going against my own argument here, but then it's like, okay, I can kind of understand that, but it still feels a little bit strange. Cause it's like, okay, but like, he's going to be an RFA this year. <laughs> You might as yeah. well see what he's what he's capable of, like. <laughs> and everything else has failed, so why yeah. not try it? Yeah. Exactly, um, and then um, yeah, that, I think it, it makes sense to just to fire Woodcroft if it's not working out. I I think I'll 
I, I do want to because I think part of the reason why they weren't doing so hot is like, okay, they don't have McDavid. So I do want to see what this team will do once you have a healthier McDavid because they did win against the Calgary Flames. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that's kind of what they're thinking right now. It's like, okay, we, we get McDavid back. Let's see what, what happens now. Um, and, and, um, and like see if they can figure something out. So so maybe that's kind of what they're trying to do. But I I imagine they're just trying to see if like okay McDavid's healthy now. Let's let's see let's uh, let's go or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then if there's one big chance big change that has to be made, what do you think should happen? Um, yeah, I mean I think like I I did mention the goaltending. Um, I do also want to talk, uh, we didn't, we kind of like stopped talking about the defensive side of things. Um, like I I'm looking here like, oh, okay. So like, I was kind of surprised that Evan Bouchard has nine points in eight games. Um, but then you look at the rest of this squad of defensive guys, it's like, and I know like points for defensemen isn't a ton or whatever, but um, it or like it's not like that big of a deal or whatever. And it's hard to really equate how good someone is on defense uh, just through these numbers. But um, but yeah, like even still, it's like okay, Darnell Nurse has two points, uh, Broberg has zero points in seven games, Matthias Ekholm has one point. Um, Cody CC has one point. I know he's more of a shutdown guy. Um, and Brett Kulak has one point. So, like, their best offensive defenseman right now is Evan Bouchard. Um, and, yeah. and, and they yeah. traded away Tyson Berry because and they, they away felt Tyson very Berry. confident in Evan Bouchard's yeah. game. That's why he's the guy. Right, exactly. He leveled up in, uh, yeah. in the regular season, and he leveled up even further in the right. playoffs. And so. now that... He's the main guy. You expect him to do that. And yeah. to your point, yeah, Darnell Nurse, you, you need more from Darnell Nurse. Yeah. Maybe a bit more from Alcom, but in particular, Darnell yeah. Nurse is a do-everything type of defenseman. And yeah. while they do play him a lot, um, yeah, two points, that's a bit low yeah. for his standards. And, and I, like, he's he's okay in a shutdown. He's, like, he's okay defensively, too, but it's, like, all yeah. right. at the same time, it's, like, okay, he's being played 9.25 million um and you only have like two points like you kind of expect a little bit more out of them even though i know like it's hard to judge defensemen on just by their points alone um so i i think there's like i I think type of trade where they improve their defense whether that's getting a goalie or that's getting a defenseman that's more of a shutdown guy um because i think that's truly what's been or been the bigger issue for Edmonton is their defensive side of things um and I guess the issue there is it's like they're 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 they're, they're still in cap hell um or they're they'll always have some cap issues so um I imagine they just need to get like a some type of shutdown defenseman I don't even know who would be available in that sense but um they need to get a shutdown defenseman or um, they need to get a goalie. Um, but like, even if they get a goalie, it's like, you know, it's hard to see exactly. Like it could just be that the defense is that bad and it it exposes the goalie more than they should, or the goalie is just bad and the defense is actually playing, it's doing all that they can do or whatever. So it's either, or, um, 
I feel like it might be easier to get a spin um, than, than get a goaltender just from a value perspective. But um, but yeah, I think either or would make some sense. Some and, sense. And they're going to have to trade for a goalie because they don't really have any goalie prospects yeah. that are shooting the lights out. Their options in the AHL are Calvin Picker and Olivier Rodrigue. Yeah. Mind you, I you know they're still playing AHL hockey. They can't be that bad, but... I mean, would I be confident in any one of them taking the reins for an extended period of time? No. Yep. But I guess if Campbell and um, uh, Stuart Skinner are injured, well, I guess you have no choice. Right, you right, don't right. have anyone else, really, uh, like the Lightning do with uh, Jonas Johansson. But, yep. um, yeah, that's that's the kind of situation that you put yourselves in. And the funny part is, again, uh, final point before we move on here, Yeah. it's like, Oh, the Edmonton Oilers bringing Matias Ekholm last year. They, they're so much better. They're playing so much better. Yeah. Oh, we need to add another defenseman to help out Matias Ekholm? Uh, okay. I, yeah, all right. I'll see who wants to trade with us. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, you know, I, I guess that is a good point, too. It's like that's kind of why they got Ekholm last year is because he, <laughs> he is a good shutdown defenseman. Um, but then it's like you're looking at his contract here. It's like oh, six million for three years. Like, they don't have a ton of cap space uh, left now. It's like three eighty-two k. And granted, of course, like you give a, a significant portion of that to McDavid and Drysdale. Um, but then it's like okay, so you have four more years left of Jack Campbell at five <laughs> at five million. That's looking pretty bad right now. Uh, like even longer for Darnell Nurse at 9.25. Matthias Ekholm, as I just mentioned, that's also a bad contract. So it's like, oh, like <laughs> they can't even, like they can't even, as to your point, it's like you can't even really trade Jack Campbell. You can't really trade Matthias Ekholm. You can't really trade yeah, it, Darnell Matthias Nurse. Matthias Ekholm's you know? contract ends after, um, at the same time as McDavid's yeah. ends. And Campbell's contract ends uh, after McDavid and Dreisaitl get paid by whoever. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, guess what you're spending before you get rid of their salary? More money. Yep. So guess where that salary is going to? Paying those two guys if you manage to keep them both. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, so now we go to the rapid fire. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Steve is groaning because you'll see in a minute. Uh because, all right, so rapid fire starts right now. Um, so the reason why Steve is groaning is because our first two topics are uh, the Senators related and they're both pretty bad. Uh, so the first one is uh, Shane Pinto. Um, he wasn't signed and there was kind of like, it seemed like there was some speculation on like clearing cap for him and, and what the Sens were going to do because of that. But turns out that he was suspended 41 games for gambling related activities. Um, it, it seems like, um, it was for other sports and not hockey. Um, and, um, this has happened in football, um, over the summer for the Detroit Lions. There was a couple of them, uh, a couple of players mm -hmm. got suspended like half the season. Uh, but like that was because they played, um, or they, they gambled on, it was like a similar thing too. Cause they, they didn't gamble on football cause it was the summer. Uh, but they did it in the facility, um, and I guess, yeah, so for Shane Pinto, I guess, because um, I, I feel like I was seeing from Wyshynski that it would be a lot worse if it was on hockey or on his own team, 
even. So, um, cause then that's like a Pete Rose type situation. So it seems like yeah. that's not the case, but it's still kind of strange because it's like nowadays it's like you see gambling ads all the time, um, everywhere. And it seems like the NHL is kind of promoting that and I get it or I get why like the NHL doesn't want their players to gamble and this definitely sets a message there but at the same time it's it's kind of contradictory because this is what happens when you align yourself with gambling <laughs> it's like like oh we expect you know like okay yeah your fans can gamble your way like your your life away but uh athletes no, <laughs> like you, you can't gamble. Um, so that part's a little bit silly, but I can kind of understand where the NHL is coming from at the same time. Yeah, first case of uh, active player getting caught for yep. gambling since 1947. I think that's, that was that was 20 years uh, before the original six ended. Yeah. And that's like, we're talking 70, 80 years back plus. And the world of gambling has changed in a lot of ways and not every single canadian province has the same gambling laws not every single u.s state has the same gambling laws um so the nhl needs i think it feels it needs to crack down and implement its own set of rules where it's like hey forget about the gambling laws here you're following by our rules here mm -hmm. and um either way regardless of how it happened uh someone whether it was shane pinto or somebody else uh, from what um, Adam Wilde's Steve Dingle podcast says, um, his sources say it, it appears to be a thing where someone is using Shane Pinto's account and it's not Shane Pinto. And, um, I think it was like proxy betting oh, where, man. um, gambling was made. I think at times when his team was playing or when uh, he was even playing, oh, that, that's what it sounds like anyway. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, either way, well, either that's, way, it's that's pretty bad. Deal, you can't do that. <laughs> If that's and, wait, um, hold on, hold on. If that's the case, then he should get more than forty-one games. That's that's like directly gambling on games that he's playing in. <laughs> and and may and maybe um and and we'll we'll never really I don't think we'll ever really know the true answers, especially if non-disclosure agreements were signed. We'll never know. Okay. Um, and um, the NHL is is being tight-lipped on exactly what he did or very reluctant to release details on exactly what he did. Um, so I, I'm sure that's for a reason to create, I guess, less of a dis discussion on this matter, because then you're going to have all these gambling experts going, it's like, wait, uh, okay, well, he should have gotten more or he should have gotten less. And then more people are talking about the NHL and how much of a gung show this, this whole suspension thing is and whatnot and the nhl is trying to protect this brand and not creating these type of discussions remember the rick talkett stuff in in 2006 yep. where that was a big topic as it was unfolding they don't want that um there's also a couple of uh, pr battles that they were losing the mike babcock stuff with the nhlpa the nhlpa is like hey we told you so we told right, you it was right. a bad idea and the nhl's like okay i guess you're right yeah, yeah. We'll talk about this later and then and then there was also the pride tape stuff which yeah. uh, we'll talk about later and then i feel like the nhl i, I find it funny that the nhlpa didn't um uh they didn't appeal this ruling yeah um, and maybe this is just a warning shot to the nhlpa by the nhl it's like hey we're still the captain here and uh you're not the captain of the ship and that's not going to change yeah um so i kind of feel the nhl 
in the words of Adam Wilde, is flexing its muscles a, a little bit here. But either way, this is a boo-boo that Shane Pinto, uh, either way, it happened on his account. He needs to control his account. Uh, at best case, that can't happen. And he understands, I would hope, what he did wrong. He's going to learn from this. Um, for the Ottawa Senators, it's just a tough situation because last year they didn't have Josh Norris down the middle creating right. a huge hole in the second or third line. And now Shane Pinto is not there for 41 games. So they have another gaping hole down the middle, which is probably going to be on the third line. So now they have to fill that. And um, I guess the good news for Matthew Joseph and Ridley Gregg is they're going to get ample opportunities to showcase their worth on this team, yep. short-term and long-term. Uh, so for them, it's a good opportunity. But the Sens are a better team with Shane Pinto in the lineup. And not having him for 41 games sucks, bottom line. Yeah, I but, think... Um, I, I get why they suspended him. They had to. Yeah, yeah. I think it takes effect, like, because he, he still isn't signed yet, but I think it takes effect once he is signed, so that's an even... Apparently not, because he's this rare type of RFA, oh, okay. so it starts immediately, and he's eligible to return sometime in January before a game against Philly, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, but either way, they're without him for half the year. Okay. So. I thought I thought I read somewhere that he has to sign in order for it to take effect, but maybe you're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Adam Wilder, the Steve Dangle podcast, says okay. sometime in January he'll be back or is eligible to return at least. But okay. Of course, he will need a new contract by then. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the Ottawa Senators also got some more bad news um, as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas Shabbat out four to six weeks and Eric Brandstrom stretchered off first the New York Islanders as well. Um, yeah, so obviously this is a huge blow, but I guess the, the good news is, as you were alluding to last week, was that like, okay, Jake Sanderson, um, it looks like he's, he's taken it to another level now. Uh, Jacob Chikrin has also been pretty good. So they both need to step up like they have been, uh, doing it, um, especially with these two defensemen gone, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, well, the the tough one with Shabbat is because everyone was expecting Shabbat and Chikrin, you right. know, to really uh, bulk up the Sens blue line. So the fact he's out with a fractured hand for multiple weeks is tough. Um, Cal Clutterbuck, just an ordinary hit on Eric Brandstrom, and Brandstrom hits his head hard on the ice. Uh, fortunately, again, the helmet is there to, you know, um, make the final outcome less bad, and he mm -hmm. ends up going to the hospital alert movement on all his extremities which is good and Clutterbuck said he felt sick to his stomach after the hit so hopefully Brandstrom is back soon but um all of a sudden Jacob Chikrin and Jake Sanderson um people are talking about uh, them being the x-factors of the Ottawa blue line um they're going to be asked to carry the load with these two key injuries also uh the NHL is expected to rule on the Evgeny Dodonov investigation, remember the time where oh, yeah. Vegas tried to trade him to Anaheim and oh, yeah, there yeah. was a no-trade clause that he apparently had, but the Sens may or may not have told Vegas about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Vegas pointing fingers at the Sens like, this is all their fault. Well, the NHL is apparently going to be ruling on that shortly after this podcast is done recording, and the Sens might be disciplined for that. So I don't think the bad news is done yet. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then uh, we, we forgot to talk about this last week because this did happen last week. But uh, Rasmus Anderson, um, he uh, hit Line A in the head. It was like 
just like before the second intermission um, in the game. Um, and he gets four games for hitting line A in the head. A line A hasn't played since. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the right call. I was actually kind of surprised that it was four games because it looked pretty bad because it like it, was, it looked intentional. Line A had like it was very clear that line A had already passed the puck. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, it looked like Rasmus could have stopped his momentum. So it looked like he left his feet as well. Yeah, he left Good his feet God. too. So it was just like, I like, it's like, he's lucky he got four games. It's kind of crazy yeah, there. He's lucky. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, line, yeah, yeah. I have to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so line A, he always, it always feels like line A gets injured, but like, of, of course this is like uh, for uh, um, like, I, I can't even blame him for being injured this way. So it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess that, that all checks out, but it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. It's an open ice hit. You, leaving your feet like so many things wrong with that play um yeah we can both agree he was lucky to get just four games but yeah that that's the kind of hitting especially a late hit before the intermission i mean that that that's the stuff the nhl wants out of the game yeah yeah i believe um i believe he'll he said let me look if he's um guess he's uh when was that that was um so i think he might be coming back through. um yeah. I, oh yeah i guess he they've already played four games uh since columbus and they've they've gone on a uh five game losing streak uh that's pretty crazy so yeah like i said the flames are down bad which yeah. uh, if i want elias Lindholm to be on a contender yeah. um Calgary's doing a good job of making sure he's not coming back after this season yeah, yeah. because I don't know why in the world he would want to commit there long term if this yeah, is yeah. how they're going to be playing. I thought they would be. I mean, I know it's still it's like still early, and we were just talking about Edmonton and all that stuff, but it's like I thought the Flames would be a little bit better than what they are right now. Yeah. But I thought Daryl Sutter was the problem. But yeah, me too. Apparently, the same problems from last year. Keep I mean, I mean, maybe it's like this is what happens when you get like a an AHL coach or whatever. But um, but yeah, we'll mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, in any case, uh, last th- topic here, uh, pride tape, um, is allowed again. Um, yeah, we alluded to that earlier on in this rapid fire. Uh, this actually started because, uh, Travis Dermott, uh, he wore, uh, pride tape before, um, it was even allowed or even like, uh, like, cause there was a lot of like a big deal made about this. We even mentioned this a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, so. Now it's, I was kind of surprised about this too, is that like they're allowing them in games as well. Um, and they're, they said it's like for social causes. Um, so, um, it's not like, I I guess it could be like black lives matter stuff or, um, Mm -hmm. any type of activism type of thing. But, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised that it was four games because usually even before this was a whole scandal, it's like, usually it's just been a pregame thing that they do, but, um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that it's like, oh, you can, you can wear it, you can use these um, in games as well. So um, yeah, it was, it was good that like the NHL kind of um, gave in because everyone, like, I don't think I saw anyone defending the NHL here. And um, so it was good that um, and a lot of players spoke out and, and all that stuff. So um, it sounds like um, the NHL listened to everyone and they were just like, you know what, this isn't that big of a deal. Let's... Uh, Let's just move on. 
tip of the cap to Travis Dermott uh, for speaking his mind, even if he didn't speak his mind. He just went out and did it uh, with little fanfare, little publicity. Yep. He just went on the ice with the pride tape on his stick, and yep. that was that. Nice. And everyone uh, took it from there. Um, I think it's also the NHL trying to control the PR narrative because uh, the first Pride night was going to be happening a few nights after Travis Dermott did this, and it would be in Arizona. Oh, wow. So I'm sure the last thing the NHL wanted was everyone just being like, oh, uh, you know, maybe there's a situation where the Arizona Coyotes are all using their Pride tape. Oh, wasn't the NHL banning that? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. have they not been that? Oh, they didn't. Oh, yeah. well, let's talk to Gary Bettman about that. Right, right, right. And, yeah, maybe uh, that I think that's the type of thing the NHL wanted to avoid. So um, the players backed the NHL into a corner there, and the NHL blinked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so it looks like we have a minute left, um, and I, oh, I guess wow. I'm going to cut this short here. Um, unless yeah, you, do you, I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to mention, but we, we've been going for, for an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could say that, uh, um, it looks like Maddie Pot Potra is, uh, if we, if I can talk about the Bruins yeah, he's for a second, good. he is looking good. Um, Ridley, it, Ridley great for the Sens is also looking yeah, good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I said that. We shouldn't bring up the Bruins and Senators all the time, but here we go. Um, but uh, for the final point, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and um, but uh, Jim Montgomery said that he was uh, that they're going to make a decision today on if Potra is going to make the team or not. And it seemed like I, I feel like it would be a travesty if he is uh, sent down. So. Um, so I, I, I get the feeling that we're, we'll hear pretty soon that, uh, he'll be called up. Oh, and on that same note, uh, it looks like, uh, Matt Grizzlick got injured. It looks like McAvoy's going to get suspended at least for a game. Um, so mm. it sounds like Mason Larai is going to be called up pretty soon, uh, just because of those um, two things. Also wanted to, to give a, um, a, a brief, um, mentioned to the Winnipeg Jets, their head coach, Rick Bonus, uh, took a leave of absence uh, last week from the team after his wife suffered a seizure. So uh, wishing him uh, and his family and his wife all the best. Okay. Yeah, same. Um, all right. Uh, that about does it here for us at Lisa Mop. You can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Brett Duboff. Oh, and uh, Twitter, um, yep. you know, is Lace Up Podcast. Um, and yeah, we don't have Facebook anymore. I don't think so. Yeah. We just rarely post on it, but yeah. Yeah, basically. I'm Brett Dubuff. And I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk again in episode 386 of the Lace Month Podcast.